they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many signs, wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that everyone, anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Brilliant. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all. It was brilliant to have a couple weeks away to be able to go back and visit Annie's uh, home city in Germany uh, and her favorite ice cream shop. So we had ice cream every day for two weeks. And seeing as the youth are here, I just want to say, particularly if it is banana ice cream, it is part of your five a day. And uh, you should ask your parents uh, to institute ice cream for breakfast, which we may have had a couple of times over the last few weeks as well. So um, it's my privilege today to... Um, to start a new series uh, and we're going to be looking over the coming months and it's a bit different. Often we teach through a book here at THCC, uh, one of the books of the Bible and we go through that. But over the next few months we're going to be looking a bit more thematically and we're going to be looking more at church. And this series is called Church is More Than. So it doesn't mean we're an insurance company, but it does mean that church is more than sometimes we imagine it to be. And we want to look at some of the things that the Bible says about church, but also to look for us. What does it mean to take the principles that we see in the New Testament and apply them to our world today? What does it mean for us at THCC to be here in the center of the universe in Tower Hamlets and to be able to live out our values and our vision together as church. And so today we want to look at church is more than Sundays. Church is more than Sundays. And a lot of this is going to focus around the idea of fellowship, of fellowship, that sense of having stuff in common. At its very heart, that word koinonia, fellowship in the New Testament, means to have in common. It's commonality. Brothers and sisters, we are a common church. Look around, some of us are very common. <laughs> and uh, we ought to be, therefore, meaning to sound like Jarvis Cocker, we ought to be a common people. We ought to be people who have stuff together, who share a common goal to see Jesus lifted up and to see people come to know him as their Lord and Saviour. So I want to just very quickly at the start, just a very quick run through a reminder of some stuff about our church vision. And right at the heart of it is our vision is to see the kingdom of God come in power here in Tower Hamlets and beyond. 
We want to see God's kingdom coming with power. We want to see Jesus exalted and esteemed. And the key thing about the big picture vision stuff is it ought to be what church is about in any place. Wanting to see God's kingdom come. Wanting to see Jesus honoured, esteemed and exalted. We exist to give every man, woman, child, budgies, goats, dogs, whatever, in Tower Hamlets, the opportunity, that's a joke about the animals, don't worry, the opportunity to, you can laugh if you want to, the opportunity to hear, to understand and respond to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That is what we are about as church. We want to give people the opportunity to hear that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, and that they can come into a relationship of love with him through his son, Jesus Christ. We want to enable them to be a part of a church that exalts Jesus and raises them up to fulfill their calling and God given purpose. Understanding that we, when we become Christians, we are called into the alternative community of God's kingdom, the church, the big church. Not just our church, but the church. And it's really important that also we want to be a missions-minded church that influences many places beyond us. And you know, that vision is about being church. And that's not just about being THCC, but that's being part of the church in Tower Hamlets. And that's why we are so committed as a church to working with other local churches, because we know that if we're going to see every person in Tower Hamlets have an opportunity to see, to hear, to, to understand and respond to the gospel, it has to be about more than us. It's about the church, the wider church in Tower Hamlets working and serving together. And within that, though, we have a particular emphasis, a particular flavor. What makes THCC THCC? And that is our purpose. And that's to be a multicultural and multi-generational borough-wide church. So we're a fellowship of people from different backgrounds. You know, perhaps more accurately, we could talk about being intercultural, where we come together as different cultures, we share Jesus together, we live together, we learn together, we love together, and we grow in our understanding of who God is. We want to be a borough-wide church, not just for one part of Tower Hamlets. It's why some of our vision, we're now meeting at the Lighthouse as well, because we realize that to reach people, we have to make sure that we are where people are. And so we have the congregation at Lighthouse. We're looking to plant onto the island as well because the fact is most people who aren't Christians in a hyper-local environment like Tower Hamlets aren't going to travel to church. So as we reach them, as we share good news, as we do good things, as we uh, do community work and we live out our gospel calling in communities, we want to make church accessible to people. So we're a borough-wide, multicultural church with a real sense of belonging. 
Not just a place that people visit or rock up on a Sunday and that's it, but a place to belong. But also we're making converts, we're making disciples. And that means to be apprentices of Jesus. That means we, as followers of Jesus, are lifelong learners. We're people who are always growing. And for us at THGC, that means three things. Uh, Deep and growing relationships of love. Firstly, with God. With one another as well. And also with the world around us, the community around us, being salt and light, being good news. And it's really, really important that we understand we're not called just to make converts, but we are called to make disciples, wholehearted followers of Jesus. And that means all of us got to keep on growing. It means we keep on growing. We keep... uh, Uh, understanding more about who God is. We keep being challenged to love one another deeply. We keep being on mission together as church. And in this series, we're going to keep coming back to that and we'll start unpacking more about some of what that looks like. But today I want us to think about the idea that church is more than Sundays. And so firstly, the church is a changed people. That word church, maybe you're visiting today. What comes into your mind when you hear the word church? Very often, the association is with a building, isn't it? When we think about church, we might think about building. The, I think I've said this before, but the, the thing that's always rooted in my heart when it came to church was the Baptist church I grew up in. And uh, it was... It wasn't a particularly lively place, but it was actually a place where people of different communities came together. But I would remember at the start of the service, there would be this two minutes of quiet just before the service started. And I didn't know what to do, but I realized everybody else had like pained expression and looking down. So you do that and then just kind of waiting. And it's a bit like that bit on Remembrance Sunday when you hope your kid isn't going to scream or something like that. And uh, so I remember we would sit down like this and there's always a, a somewhere between contemplative and constipated and you've got to get that look right. And uh, you'd be sitting like that And then the pastor, who I loved, a guy called Alan Stevens, he would spring up and every week he started the service the same way. He would always sit up and say, let us worship God, hymn number. So much so that the first time I led a service at church, it took everything within me not to get up and say, let us worship God, hymn number. And you always didn't sing verses seven and nine because of some obscure theological point. And then when church was over, we would go back into the Spurgeon Hall, which wasn't heated, and it was cold, and it had that kind of old Baptist church smell. If you know it, you know it. And, it, um, and um, they would have tea, and the tea was always made by one of the older deacons, a lady called Mrs. Cudlip, who, or Miss Cudlip, actually, she was, she was a spinster. And um, she would make really, really weak tea. Now, if you want to be my friend, weak tea is evil. you just got to know it. Tea should be strong. And she would, she would make really, really weak tea, and then they would open the biscuit tin. Now, I have a particular passion for biscuits. Growing up, my mum struggled with nutrition a bit, and my breakfast lots of days was a packet of bourbons. 
So much so that actually we're not allowed them in our house now because Annie knows I would just chain dunk them for breakfast. So you have a packet of bourbons, you chain dunk it, and you eat it. And that's, that's actually a great nutritious breakfast as well. Um, but they would always keep these biscuits open for a long time in the tin because you were only allowed one. And you know a bourbon, you do that and it should snap. These would bend. The rich tea, you could kind of, Damien Hurst could do, like, preserve it in formaldehyde or whatever. But, you know, it was this incredible uh, thing. And that was always etched into my mind. And then I went from there to a uh, very much a house church kind of setup that met in a community hall in an old people's day center. When I got baptized there, it, was, it wasn't just a low church. It was very low church. There was a rubber duck in the baptism pool. Um, I think we should reinstitute that. But those memories of church are seated deep within me. And actually, probably all of us come to this idea with church with some things that are just, they shape us. This is what, and either we love that or we're spending our life running from that and not wanting to be church like that. And those memories are powerful. But what I want us to do in this series is to look at what did the early church look like. We're going to look at some of the key distinctives. We're going to look at the early church and think, how do we take the principles of what they did, but also interpret them for where we live now? How do we apply it to a very different culture? How do we apply it to a very different situation in this fantastic city of London. But the key thing that to really begin with is church is the people, not the building. Of all of our pictures of church, perhaps the most unhelpful is the idea that church is the building. You know, when we talk to our non-Christian friends, maybe, and we talk to them about church, where's church? Church is Hus Cafe. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily chime with them always because we live in a world that often thinks about church as the building but church is the people the word that's used in the new testament is the ecclesia it's the assembling of god's people if you look in acts in uh, when it talks about the riot that happened in ephesus it speaks of the assembly that same word of people but that assembly was in a theater And what we see is that that word ecclesia means the people, the people who come together. Brothers and sisters, in one sense, we don't just go to church. We are the church. Look around. This is the church. Whenever we think our church is a bit lame or or, or something bad about church, actually, it's us. we got to own it. We are the church. And in the Bible, when the Bible talks about church, it talks about it in two senses. Firstly, the church universal. That is all believers for all time. That's not just the believers in my tribe or my camp or who see things theologically like I do. But the church is all of God's people, all those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, all those who will spend eternity with. So we better get on with loving them right now because eternity is a long time. 
But the church is, and that, and often when we read about the church in the New Testament, we read about the church universal. But the Bible also speaks to about the church local, and we read of letters that are written to local churches. You know, uh, what makes something a church? Well, it's God's people, the, the, the whole idea of those being the Christians who have committed to meet together, to share life together. Those who, you know, if you read you know, some, some, some theological literature, you might hear about those who take sacraments together. It's the baptism and communion. It's those, the place where the word of God is preached and taught. If you, uh, you may see in, in some literature, it may say where discipline is exercised. That means it's the place where we care and look out for one another's souls and spiritual well-being. That's what the local church is. THCC is a local church amongst many in Tower Hamlets. I wouldn't claim it's the best. I hope it's not the worst if such a thing exists. But we are a church committed to journeying together, following Jesus as our Lord and looking out, sharing life together and looking out for one another. If we look at this passage in Acts, we see that it's prefaced by Pentecost, by the power of God coming, people's lives being turned around, people being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel being preached. And that's the heart of church is that the church is more than Sunday. It is the community of God's people who share the good news of Jesus. In Acts 2, uh, 40 and 41, we see a summary of, of Peter's message that day. It says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The early church faithfully spoke and shared the good news of Jesus. The early church loved people, but it also understand that the gospel isn't just loving people. The gospel is lived, but it is spoken. And we have to resist this idea that somehow we can just love people into the kingdom of God. We love our community, we serve our community, but we know that it is the good news of Jesus. It is faith in him that ultimately brings change. If you look at the message that Peter preached that day, it focused on Jesus, that he was the son of God, that he had been crucified and that he had been risen. And that's what we have. You know, we're not a church that has in one sense, and we've got, we've got great tech set up, but we're, we don't have endless resources, but we have the good news of Jesus. We have the life-changing good news of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit living in us and through us who sends us, I need to move out of here, who sends us to go and to be good news to where we are. You know, when Peter preached that day at Pentecost, what we see is that people were convicted of sin. The message didn't affirm the culture in its sinfulness, in its, but it actually convicted of sin. 
It spoke of repentance. We see that it led to people being cut to the heart. Brothers and sisters, we live in an age where the church doesn't even wake people from their slumber half the time. The people were cut to their heart. Their lives were changed and they were born again, made new, given the spirit of God. And that's what we live for, to give people the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. I love the fact that it says 3,000 souls were saved that day. It's incredible, isn't it? So many people coming to faith in Jesus. You see, the church is made up of those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's not an organization per se. It's more of an organism. It's those who share, and we're going to use that word a lot, common faith in a common Savior. We don't become part of the church just by hanging out here. We don't become part of the church just by going along to stuff. We become part of church through believing in Jesus. And we see those two powerful things that really work together, this idea of belonging and this idea of believing. And it's great to invite people into the orbit of our church. It's great to have them as part of our community. But ultimately, someone becomes part of the church when they believe in Jesus. And that, that, that's a real interesting process. Sometimes it, it's a bit like we don't even know when it happened. I heard someone describe it. Some people can give a, a clear testimony of on this day and on this time I became a Christian. Others of us maybe grew up around church and suddenly found that we've always, we kind of, we've just believed. And somebody described it like this. It's almost like if you go to a, a capital city, if we were to go to, uh, from Paris to Berlin, if you were to, to, um, to, to go and to cross it, or the border it, by car, you would know it. You can see the signs and you know, I've then gone from France to Germany. But if you fly, you get on an aeroplane and you don't quite know, there's no sign in the sky saying here is where France ends. But you just find, your, you get out on board at the other place. And sometimes our journey of faith can be more like that. But the key thing is that ultimately we only are part, truly part of a church when we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. People become Christians through hearing and responding to the good news of Jesus, through being given God's Holy Spirit, not just through praying a prayer. That's why we're called to make disciples, followers of Jesus, not just converts. We're called to, to make disciples, to teach people what it is to follow Jesus. And as we see that this idea of church is more than just Sundays, I want us to see that some of these things that we find in this passage in Acts of the things that they were committed to, the entry point is a relationship of faith in Jesus Christ. And so they weren't just socializing people into a new way of living, but they proclaimed Jesus. And as we look at these things, these aren't the things that make us a Christian. These are the things that happen because we are a Christian. 
So I want us now to look at church as a community that meets, not just a meeting in a building. Church isn't just when we come together on a Sunday. True Christian community comes about because of hearts and lives that have been changed. What, when we look at this passage in Acts, we see people who shared life together. They had a common life. There was something that they held in common. There was something identifiable about them as followers of Jesus. And it's so interesting how their communal life spoke of their faith so that even people who disliked their message couldn't help but being struck by the community that they had. I always remember, you know, when I was at university and, and being able to, to, to live and, and share Jesus on, in, our, in our campus there and in the city. And one of the things that my non-Christian friends would always say to me is, I don't necessarily like what you guys believe, but I love how you guys live together. I love the sense of community you have. And brothers and sisters, that doesn't happen just through coming to church on a Sunday. We are called to live a common life, but also with a commitment to a common cause. And that cause is to give our neighbors, our friends, those around us, the opportunity to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus. It's not about just turning up once a week finding the most comfortable seat. We don't do comfortable seats here particularly. We probably need to. But it's not about finding the most comfortable seat, sitting down, switching off your brain, and then leaving at the end. No, no, no. It's about being part of a community of faith. You know, in our world, many people want to just join a large church because in some ways you can be quite anonymous there. You can just go along. You can get the best preachers, the best light show, the best seats. You can get everything. Here we do good coffee normally. but um, and, and they want to be part of these big churches sometimes. And not all the time. But it's because they want something that meets needs. And there's some things that can be quite healthy in there. But actually, some of that becomes really anonymous. I was sitting with a, one of the pastors of a church that had been 1,000 people pre-lockdown. And they said now they struggle to get 100 people. Why? Because essentially, they were a gathered church where people came from across the city, but there was no sense of community. Lockdown happened, and relationships were exposed for what they were. There wasn't that sense of being together. Incidentally, that church had no, not even a small group structure. Can you imagine what being... Anyway, I'm not, it's not my place to criticize that necessarily. But, um, but church has to be about being a part of a community together. And brothers and sisters, let's not substitute that. Let's not substitute it for an anonymous consumer church. Let's not substitute it, even if, it, if it's a, um, a very individualistic, I'm just going to do my own thing type thing. We have to realize that God's gift to us is the local church. It's a place where we grow. It's a place where we share life with people who are different to us. 
And that is what is so important. Because we are created for community. Do you know that? You were created for community. You're not created to be independent. Actually, we're created to be dependent on others. We're created to live and love and laugh and share life together with others. We need to be, though, a community that is outward focused. What I love about the New Testament is this strong sense of community. I mean, check the wording there. These people even had a common purse. They held things together. They sold properties to meet the needs that they had together as community. But it wasn't insular. It was outward. Those of you who've been on our church uh, holidays will know that on the last time and the last session of our church weekends away we often have a communion service and I'm a bit old school I love a uh, get in a circle and hold hands and um, but when I love us to do that communion service I love it that we join hands and look outwards as a reminder visibly yes we're a tight circle in that sense but we are one that looks outwards we are an embracing community not an insular one and we're never called just to be a community for ourselves. We are called to be an outward-looking community. As we see here in, in Acts, we see that they were committed to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. And I want to be really clear, when it talks about the breaking of bread, that's eating together. That's not primarily communion. When it talks about they broke bread together that is fellowship meals together it is not primarily just about uh, like a, a little a little portion of uh, on the end of church kind of thing yes we do take communion together but you know in one sense realistically there is a sense of a meal shared together as Jesus shared with his disciples it says that they were devoted in verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and the breaking of bread and prayer. That sense of devotion, it carries with it a cost. So I'm really looking, and my wife Annie's been in Edinburgh the last few days with some, some work stuff, and I'm really looking forward to getting to see her today. Why? Because I love my wife. Surprise, eh? Um, it's more surprising she loves me, I know it. But, um, but when we talk about our spouse, you're devoted to your spouse, and that comes at a cost. I don't want to hear that someone's devoted to their spouse, but they're devoted to another spouse on the side. It doesn't make sense, does it? Devotion carries with it a sense of cost. And these people were devoted. They paid a cost to prioritize those things in their life. They were steadfast and single-minded about those things. And those things really are important. And the reason I want us to see this thing about fellowship is it shapes the context to all of those things. They weren't about services, but they were about a shared communal life together. And that's really important because otherwise we just take these things and we say we want them to be in our church services. 
But then we've missed it because there was a communal life together context. So fellowship, they were committed to fellowship. Not just 10 minutes at the end of church, we're going to have fellowship now. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Yes, I'm fine. How's work? Work is good. Good. Embarrassed silence. Time to go. Now, small talk is important because it leads to big talk. But actually, there's got to be more. They were committed to fellowship. And as we said before, that word in the New Testament, koinonia, means to hold in common. They were committed to being common people. And it's so vital that as we grow as church, that we continue to share a common life together. That we continue to share a common witness to our community. I love the genius, and I think it may have been Lisa, that came up with calling our Wednesday thing common space. I don't know who, if it's not, then somebody else should take credit. It certainly wasn't me. But actually, if we want to connect with our community, creating a common space where we as church come together and we reach out to others, it's a brilliant thing. If you've never been, it's kind of like youth club, but for adults, kids, uh, there's people from all different kind of walks of life in here on a Wednesday, 4.30 till 6. It is fantastic. Come along, connect him with the community. But knowing Jesus always leads to fellowship. 1 John 1 uh, verses 3 and 7 say, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So that as, and then it says in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Knowing Jesus brings us into fellowship with God the Father, but also with others. And as we have fellowship with them, we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. So our fellowship with God through Jesus leads to transformational relationships. It's amazing, isn't it? It doesn't lead to high and by. It doesn't lead to superficial relationships from behind a mask, but transformational relationships where we have the ability to confess our sins, the ability to be changed by Jesus at work through his spirit in our lives. It's a warts and all thing. Do you remember, like a couple of years ago, there was this social media kind of craze of take a photo of yourself without makeup. I interestingly came across a photograph of Tim in makeup on the internet the other day. Uh, (laughs) It was for an activity, don't worry. But the idea of take a photo of yourself without makeup, it's kind of, Get to the raw you. What do you really look like? And I thought, what would our church look like? Not if we took a photo of ourselves physically without makeup, but without the makeup stuff, without the stuff we hide behind, without the stuff that we front up with, without the stuff that just is the curated view of how we want other people to see us. What would fellowship look like if instead of mask to mask, it was heart to heart? It would look a bit more blunt. It would look a bit more ugly. 
It would look a bit more realistic and it would look a little bit more transformational. Brothers and sisters, we are called to know God and to make him known. And we are called to know our brothers and sisters and to be known by them. And I want to say that doesn't happen on a Sunday morning. There's great things. And, you know, please stick around for an hour after service. Enjoy the scrum that is coffees and refreshments. But actually build relationships with others. Let's be known for a deep and vibrant inner life. The key thing about the New Testament church was it wasn't people who shared a common interest just. There was so much that they had in common, but it wasn't a common interest. They shared a common saviour and they came from such diverse backgrounds. The scandalous thing of the New Testament church was it brought together slave and free to a table to eat together as equals. It brought together rich and poor. It brought together men and women. It brought together Jew and Gentile. It brought together people from different nations who came together as equals. They were a fellowship of difference. And at the heart of everything we do as THCC is to be a multicultural, multi-generational community of people. It grieves my heart so deeply how much in this country church is so often monocultural, whether that's mono-ethnic or in terms of social class or whatever, but we are called to be a fellowship of difference where we truly break barriers, where we go across boundaries. That doesn't happen just on a Sunday. I want to encourage you Do you know what you can do? Invite someone different to you, to your house. Now, that may terrify you. Maybe you think my house isn't tidy enough. That's one of the idols that has to go, you know, this idea of a perfect life. But they'll come and see that I've got skank in my toilet or I've got, you know, my house isn't always tidy. Dirt, none of our houses are, right? And we have to get this curated view of we want people to think that our life is perfect. One of the things I I grew up on a large council estate in South London and our flat was a state. It really was. It was run down. But one of the things I loved, it it was always full. And it was a place of community. Now it would have been better if it was a tidy place of community. But actually, the community was more important than a tidy house. And so I want to say, don't let the fact that maybe your house isn't that good or your flat isn't nice, don't let that hold you back. Maybe you live with others and it's not possible. Build community over coffees, find spaces, places. Use this place. But let's really be committed to real, honest, authentic community. And that won't happen on Sundays. When we finish church on Sundays, let's look to spend time getting to know people who aren't maybe part of our normal friendship groups. Let's invest into relationships. Real people in a real common space together, sharing real life, real struggles, real problems, real successes together. We're out of time. 
But I, I want to just encourage you. Church is more than just Sundays. To be really honest, we'll never be able to care for you as a church unless you're committed to being a part of a small group in church. Unless you're prepared to meet with others in a smaller group, there's no way we will actually care for you. Our primary method of care is through smaller groups. We try hard. We pass the people fairly well here, but it needs each of us to commit to being part of a smaller group. How do we get to know others? Because that can be really difficult, can't it? But we can get to know others through serving, volunteering as part of a team or a rotor, and there's always space somewhere. And as we do those things and start to invest into relationships, some of that heart fellowship that we so desperately need comes about. And all those other things we see here, they're devoted to teaching, to prayer, to break. They come from a sense of genuine fellowship. We try to get all of those things into an hour and a half on a Sunday otherwise. And then we figure out this is not working. Because our services are supposed to be the icing on the cake, not the cake itself. The cake itself is real meaningful fellowship that goes beyond Sundays. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Let's worship God together. That's one of the things we come together to do, isn't it? To worship God in sung worship, to hear. I'm longing for the day and it feels like we're starting to get back to normal now after COVID. It'd be great to start hearing and seeing people sharing prophetic words in our meeting again and we'll start to make more room for that. Why? Because God speaks through his body, not just through a couple of us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for this church. Thank you for the wonderful, marvelous, eclectic and broken group of people that we are. But we thank you that we share a common saviour. Lord, I pray that we would be truly a common people. Father, we're aware of our selfishness when we read that in the book of Acts that people had common purses. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to figure out what it means not to necessarily have a common purse but to share and be generous with others through what we have lord i pray that we would have a common sense of 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 evangelism that runs through us lord we ask for your forgiveness where we get things wrong lord as leaders particularly we're aware that we lead in a frail and fallen way often and Father, we want to pray that your grace would cover our failings, but that together as church, Lord God, we would journey together in fellowship. Lord, more than just Sundays, Lord, we pray that you would give us a a vibrant community life together in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.